gray. Ugh. Is it is it gray? Uh, it's great that we're getting there, you know. It's like it's not the journey, it's the destination that matters. <laughs> yeah, all that matters is this podcast gets out there into the world. Yeah. Not how much we suffered on the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I was more thinking that like there is a, a there is a hole in the cool grey earth that's just waiting for me somewhere. And that's all that matters. That at the end of everything, there is a hole in the ground that is going to give me a big warm hug. <laughs> she spent her life in pursuit of six inches and in the end she ended up with six feet. Oh. Well, I, I hope when I die that people don't say, gosh, she was a real hound for dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't care if that they do say that, but I hope that's not like when someone hears like, oh, Olympia's dead, they don't go... Oh, that Olympia who was always after dicks. That dick hound. <laughs> that dick hound. Yeah, like I hope that's... When I die, that I hope that's not pooper. my most, like, <clears throat> notable characteristic. I, it's, I'm fine no. if it's one of them. Yeah, I think definitely number one is your large nose. And after that, it's the like <laughs> balls. <laughs> my no- number one attribute is that I have a large nose. <laughs> it's very distinctive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no one has ever said that to me before probably because it's not very nice <laughs> <laughs> i actually think it's just the camera angle it happens to be emphasizing it right now oh uh, yeah it does look really big but i also do have a prominent nose yeah you have a prominent yeah. nose yeah right it's very nice and straight but i mean just right now like you're just tilt the ca- i know the screen's tilted back you're tilted back it just like a snout you swine so given that like you just extrapolated, like, from... Uh, Feeling sensitive because you don't want to see me in person. Well, because you, you just saw a particular angle of me um, with a big nose and then said, your main feature is that you have a big nose. I'm starting to wonder if you have object permanence. <laughs> you're like in this current angle right now you look like you have a big nose and therefore that is the biggest and most prominent feature that you have at all yeah it's just like well that's you know by by abandoning object permanence that's the sensation of being like oh i did have a father <laughs> no I, abandoning object uh uh permanence would be i have never had a father because i currently don't have a father yeah, I also feel that way. Oh, God, I don't have object permanence. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Who said that? <laughs> oh, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen... Oh, yeah. wait, I think you talked about this, maybe. Not sure if it was on this podcast or somewhere else. Um, the movie Memento. Um, mm. uh, I thought that was boring. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, no, I was talking about it in relation to everything, everywhere, all the time, too much. Excessively long time. Yeah, you've never, you never said that, right? I've never said that. <laughs> it's so good. Because when you say it, you really, like, you really grasp the, like, the central meaning of it. Because you're like, everything, everywhere, in every place, at all times, yeah. <laughs> happening simultaneously. It just, it sounds more overwhelming when you say it. <laughs> yeah. Yep, 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 yep. But, yep. like, I saw the point. I saw the poster, I was like, that's hectic, I have to see it. Yeah. Like, that was an amazing film. But Memento, yeah. I I had to write about it for Year 12 Media. 
And actually, um, Year 12 Media, I think it, what it taught me is that I don't like media. <laughs> like, it's like, it's literally as a subject. It's like, hey, so what if there was something that like interposed between you and reality that mediated your experience? Let's look at that. I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. It's funny because you also don't like condoms. <laughs> <laughs> what is that another one of my attributes? <laughs> yeah. You, 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 I like, yeah, when, like, honestly, I'm looking forward, to, like, the only reason that I am going to live past the expected uh, uh, hyperverbal autistic uh, life age of 54 is simply so I can do your eulogy. Uh, which I mean, probably, you know, won't have to wait too long. Yeah. But like, and it's like, you're going to say like, she may have had a big nose, but she did not like condoms. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious now, is this, is this a trait, uh, that you're projecting onto me and assuming yourself, like, do you love condoms? Do they make you feel close to people? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it is it a sexy part of the sexual experience when you pull out a condom and slide it slowly onto a penis and you get that gorgeous acrid latex smell? I actually I uh, I I hide it in my mouth and I like go da- between my teeth and I go down on them and slide it on and then don't let them look at it before I sit on the like pat the Tower of Power. <laughs> reverse yeah but unfortunately my like sexy tight little butthole is just so like made of steel it always rips them (laughs) oh my god so so you love condoms you think they're amazing i mean i don't have a um uh, (laughs) oh that's interesting this is what it sounds like when someone's preparing to fucking lie Like I, have no, I love condoms. condoms. I think they're amazing. I actually think they're ethical. <laughs> no, ethical, ethical. Well. No, I think it's a. Um, I think it's a. I think like. Uh, no, condoms are really annoying. But like, there's a time and a place. There's a time and a place for of them. Course. And I have a favorite. I think it's important. What's important is to have a, a really good brand of condoms that you like. So, or like, like you have to like. It's also like uh, if you're just like using the random free condoms from a bar. Of course, they're gonna be fucking terrible. Yeah. But I really like the skin brand. Yeah. But it's skin with a Y, so it's edgy. Yeah. And they're quite nice. And they smell a bit nicer. And the the ones that are like the normal ones, not like the extra thick ones, the normal they're perfectly fine for anal. They don't need to be extra thick. Yeah. Like the normal ones are really good quality ones anyway. So yeah, you can do that. And I think it's also it's about like um uh wait, no, but we spoke about this as well, like um uh or reflecting on the uh oh god, who did that fucking performance of yours that everyone got really angry about? Truvada is the new day. <laughs> yes, Misty. <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah, Misty. Yeah, yeah. She did that because basically she's like, look, I want to use condoms. It's a very like, wait, it's very like, um, uh, <laughs> very European model of these things. But like, you know, if you want to use using it, the fact that people are on Truvada to basically uh, refuse the fact prep like, bullies, to, prep bullies, prep bullies. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. So, like, I think there's just. Um, I think that's the situation. You don't want to be a prep bully. So like... No, never. Uh, but that's the thing. It's yeah. like, I I think I'm just... I was never really that sold on anal sex. Like, it's, gr- yeah. it's great. But like, uh, I was never... I've never been convinced by this. I've always th- thought that people who like need to have anal sex every time they have sex, 
like are profoundly mm. lacking in imagination. Um, <clears throat> mm. And it's also like, in some ways, I don't know, like this, it's like, do you need to like reenact this? Like, what is the word? Like a, um, a like this heteronormative fantasy of like penetration and impregnation and blah, blah, blah. I don't know like that's put that's your babies a, in me <laughs> but that's a very I mean a little bit yes actually a, very, a little bit yes I'm not gonna lie sometimes I'm just like put I just your babies was in not me. finished I just was yeah. not finished isn't gloop I was mid-sentence and you I, that's because I want me. you to finish inside me <laughs> finish inside me oh my god <laughs> 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 oh my god you're outrageous <laughs> oh my god um, uh, amazing okay well that's actually Sorry, what were you that is the yeah. that is the best excuse <laughs> to interrupt someone in the world <laughs> by the way did you but, get the video i sent you on instagram literally earlier today no it didn't come through um oh my Oh, yeah. right. oh. But no, the reason I wanted to finish it is just because there are some gross opinions that like I don't hold that like I, I like that this thing about like suspicion of condoms uh, can come very close to. But basically, I've like I've it's so gross to sort of like push uh, like a form of sex or a sexual act or something on someone and like push their boundaries that way. Of course, that's like mm. that's manipulative and yeah. gross. But like it's just like. I'm like, well, let's try something else then. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I would like, yeah. I feel like, yeah. Topping is a very psychological act, right? Like, it's just like, it's what's yeah. very often what's nice about it is that someone else is having a really intense experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, you know? And so it's just like, um, anyway, so. I heard a rumor that the original definition of the phrase spank, slap my bitch up, which is a song by the Prodigy, P word I can't say, an iconic uh, British band, uh, the, the Prodigal. Um, Prodigy. The, yeah, that's the one. Hegemony. Like, hegemony, yeah, yeah. The, the, pro, the, prodig, the prodigal hegemony of the, uh, like, the. Well, you the, just said both of the right. This is, that's so you as well. It needs to be sufficiently complicated for you to do it. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, like, yeah, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, but, um, the original space of to, uh, phrase of to, uh, to slap my bitch up, or to smack, wait, is it slap or smack? Sma- smack, no, smack? Smack my bitch up, yeah. Okay, apparently it's to dust your penis with cocaine in a way that it makes it go consistently. Apparently it causes more blood to flow there. It makes it hard, but causes you to lose all sensation to, in essence, give you a biological strap-on with which you can feel like the, the, the ubermensch or something. What? As in like, so you can't feel your penis, but you do, you are but you have a raging, capable of penetration. Yeah, penetration. Yeah. What is that like? So you it's could... for tops who are like really afraid of intimacy. Yes, and it's kind of really more for like like dudes. I think it's I think it's for dudes fucking women who just come too quickly. Ah, you know. And then it's mm. like it's like yeah, it's like of course like for, so the only so the heterosexual relationships are so toxic that the only way they can appreciate get to some level of sexual equality is through drugs. No, um. Well, there's a bunch of propositions within there that I may or may not actually agree with, but uh, <laughs> they exist out there now yeah. on a podcast. Yeah, so great. That yeah, I'm so glad but that yeah. you introduced. Well, you know, that's actually like, that's, 
you know, there's some stormy clouds on the horizon. Maybe this is the thing that's finally going to get you cancelled. In which case, that brings us oh, no. to our uh, topic for the our month. Topic. Uh, our topic for the month. Before we the get the reason for the season. But before we get into that, I am Queen of the Heavens and of the Earth, Empress of Despair, Architect of Your Eternal Suffering, Olympia Bukakis. Oh my gosh, and I'm just here, oozing glue. <laughs> and you're listening to our podcast, Slurry. Uh, and what is the topic of our discussion this month? Oozing glue. Trouble. Now, when, uh, when you first said that we were um, going to discuss trouble, I thought everyone would have anticipated that there's a certain topic like that it's always going to come back to. And mm. I uh, hate to be so predictable, but yes, we will be discussing... Rob Pink's excellent song, Trouble. Yeah. Oh wait. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think Rob. You can't spell. You can't spell trouble without Rob. <laughs> yeah, but that seems like a non sequitur rather than something that came out of what I was just saying. <laughs> I well, I thought we were getting to the central topics like the. Uh, oh, but the, what about uh, you? Could also be Rob or Birch. Borch. <laughs> or, or Bort. <laughs> Bort. Bort. You're like a, Bort. Yeah, when the, when in uh, The Simpsons, when he's like, they don't have Bart, but they do have Bort. And he's like, no one's called Bort. And yeah. then someone's like, hey, Dad, they have my name, Bort. And it's like, Bort. And then, then he's like, oh, my name is also Bort. And everyone around him is called Bort. Bort. Yeah. <laughs> do you like Pink? Do you think that she's an excellent singer? I have to say that I'm coming up, so you better get this party started, is like going to like just have like the an, an eternal status in both my mind and the, the sort of the mind of pop culture, willingly or not, for just like the most like generic, like obligatory, like, uh, like, I don't know, like song to indicate an excitement or anticipation. Like any and every movie when they're getting it together to go out and all of these things. And there's a montage of everyone doing the different routines has that song uh, going on it. So the fact that Pink managed to tap into the zeitgeist with that, with which is, you know, arguably mediocre uh, assemblage means that they've, yeah, I guess they've got something. But I just wish they were a real lesbian. Well, maybe they are. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> hmm. She's vegan. Okay, well, that's a good start. To lesbianism. <laughs> yes. Um, I, it always reminds me of taking a pill uh, in 2008. And then being like... better, it just kept and, making you ill. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just putting it on and they're just like being like, <laughs> I'm coming up. Yeah. That, yeah. but also uh, the excellent Shirley Bassey cover of that song as well. There's this amazing moment where she's like, Oh yeah. I'll be burning rubber. You'll be kissing my ass. Ha 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 She laughs at herself because she said ass. Yeah. Dame Shirley oh my Bassey. God. But the fucking, the trouble. There needs to be a drag queen. Pink. Sorry. There needs to be a drag queen yeah. called Dame Shirley Bussy. Dame Shirley Bussy. Dame Shirley Bussy. Anyway, and what were you going to say? Well, like anyone wants to call themselves Dame Shirley Bussy, go for it. Yeah. Shirley Bussy. Shirley Bussy. What are you looking for tonight? Shirley Bussy. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, or like, you have a friend called Bussy 
And they're like, do you love me? And they say, surely, pussy. Surely, pussy. <laughs> you <laughs> needn't you, ask. <laughs> you needn't ask. Especially if you were to just go, or if, or if surely, pussy were to be just pussy for sure. You could also say, surely, pussy, in answer to everything they said. What? If the if Sh- Dame Shirley Bussy just went by Bussy for short, you could also say Shirley Bussy to do this. because also someone already did this by being a uh, uh, Shirley not. Oh yeah, yeah, she's a, she's in uh, uh, Berlin. Nancy. Shirley not. It's, Nancy. It's, it's quite Shirley good. not. Yeah. Surely, surely not. No, that's very fun. But to bring us back to Trouble and Pink, in the early two thousands, when that song "I'm Trouble" came out, I had this awful fucking like. Pink in like LARP Western cosplay. <laughs> do you remember? Yes, I do. Like as a saloon girl, like going around being like the bad saloon girl in the town. And something I've talked about before is like the only access that we had in my tiny village to like pop culture on sort of the, the kind of the, of the global integrated spectacle that we were all like dying for was um, the hits and TMF, which like had basically every two or three songs had four or five adverts in between them. They were just factories for adverts and always the same adverts, like car adverts, insurance adverts, all of those things. And then they would repeat uh, the same set of like 10 or 12 music videos again and again and again and again and again and again and again with a couple of other like random ones thrown in every it'd be like 15 so 12 of them would be the hits of the moment and there'd be like three other random ones to like spice it up and you'd just be there just being like raw dogging car insurance adverts like <laughs> endlessly to then like then for it to break to hear I'm trouble now for like the fourth or fifth time that fucking day in that fucking saloon girl fucking outfit <laughs> from this vegan who didn't even have the balls to become a real lesbian well she, maybe she was a real lesbian she just wasn't telling people she was a real, real lesbian I have another really good story about pink and I love that mm. this is what we're talking about um, yeah uh, my uh, like very very close friends uh, Felix and Johannes who you called Berlin Burton Ernie uh, they're a couple <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so true. It's so true. I don't think I properly understood them until you said that, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's who Every they are." Every now and again, we there's a tall yeah. one and a short one, and um, yeah, they're and they're gay, and they're gay. Um, and uh, so when I first went back to their house, like after being out at like Berghain or Kit Kat Club or something like that, I was super wasted. They, they were like, "Do you want to put on a song?" And I was like, oh my God, this guy's so cool. And I was like telling them that I like techno and stuff. And they were like, oh, that's surprising. I was trying really hard to see. This was like 10 years ago. I was trying really hard. And then I was like, my last memory is like, okay, okay, find a song, find a song. And then blank. Because I was so wasted. 45 minutes later, one of them goes, Wait, is this a karaoke version of God is a DJ? <laughs> and, and what I had done is on Spotify, I had put on God is a DJ and it had been cycling through all of these different versions of God is a DJ for 45 minutes before anyone noticed. And that, that was the result of me trying, trying to play them a cool song. And it was God is a DJ by Pink. <laughs> so this is what happens when I try and be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
God is a DJ, life is a dance floor, you are the music, we are the, wait, we are the rhythm? God, God oh is a DJ, life is a dance floor, love is a rhythm, and you are the music. And, but oh also, God, of course you would know the words after listening to it for 45 minutes solid. Yeah, and also, this was in 2013, it, was, it wasn't like a current pop song, it was already like eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll just take this gem from the back catalogue of Pink. <laughs> it's so funny how, like, you know, the the stately homosexual drag proclivity to the curation of culture, as a culture has become more en masse, has just descended, like, downhill into the most, like, rudimentary, awful fucking ditch of like forgotten nothings that literally no one in their right mind would ever want to unearth again and the fact that they were released in the first place is like testament to like I don't know the purchasing power of children and adult children yeah like (laughs) (laughs) God is teaching (laughs) oh my god actually but like I I, yeah um so what is tell me about some trouble that you're in right now Wow, okay, so... You don't have uh, to, you don't have to. Uh, you know what, S- some trouble that I'm in right now? Yeah, what's some trouble you're in right now? Uh, oh, actually, no, that's really gross. I'm not going to tell Come on! No, no. Come on! No, no. But is it, is it, is it juicy? Uh, no, no, the opposite, and that's kind of the problem. But actually, I'm not, I, I will tell you after. Um, okay, some trouble I'm in now? Hmm... We are edging this audience right now. Yeah, no, okay. Let's just, we will both think of trouble that we're in and then we'll just say it out loud when it comes to us. Wait, like what, 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 what like, like how much, how much, how much time do you have? I've, I didn't oh have my... a sex drive this week. <laughs> but I think that's not trouble. I think oh the sex God. drive is often the trouble. That is trouble. The sex drive, yes, yes, there yes, yes. Well, I actually want to, I want to do sluts and staying with, and trouble together and be like sluts who are staying with the trouble because like sex, like the, the as we spoke I about the slut that. drive. What oh, sorry? I suggested that. No, I because I t- suggested calling it troubled sluts, and then you suggested we, to do it differently. No, separately. I literally have a voice memo somewhere of you being. Of, wait, really? No, no because I sent you one saying, "Oh my god, we have to do it. It's called troubled sluts," and then you didn't reply for another week, and then you sent me lots of memes and then wrote about something else <laughs> yeah that, that that is me confirming yeah that there is you you what you should know is that there is no difference between you confirming and you having completely ignored the message yeah. <laughs> because generally unless it's a no i'm like agreeing with it but i also recently i had to do i sent uh, some messages to some people where i was just like we need to talk i was just like that's all it said the text message <laughs> Were you trying to trying to make them afraid or was <laughs> No, but they got very upset with me. Is that rude? Is this bad? I mean, I get it's not like the nicest thing. Like it's not like, oh my god, like sunshine and happiness and all this shit, but it's just like, hey, we need to talk. But someone says you're texting, we need to talk. We need to talk literally means you have done something wrong. No, it doesn't. It means we need to talk. Yeah. Like <laughs> Well not no, yeah, like as in <clears throat> I, if I re- sent or received that message, I would, I, if I sent that, I would be being uh, like very pointed, borderline aggressive. 
Um, and, mm. uh, <clears throat> yeah. But, like, you're right that literally that is not what it means. Yeah, because the trouble <clears throat> I'm having right now is communicating with people. Yeah. That's trouble that you're having right now <laughs> Did yeah, that trouble have a beginning, it... a middle and an end? <laughs> no, it did not It's just more prominent It's like risen to the surface well, it, in the same sense It's, yeah. it's true actually, It's actually it's, We all have trouble with, uh, with communication This yeah, is like communication. This is not just yeah. a you thing It's just sometimes your communication troubles are a bit funnier <laughs> oh, no they just absolutely as well and like, yeah and then no it was I said someone said to me like we need to talk and then they, they text back what about and they're like I'm really stressed I'm really worried can you tell me and then the next day they sent me a text being like I, if you were ghosting me right now I will be so mad and they didn't reply for another three days you, so you just said we need to talk and then you didn't reply for three days <laughs> yes gloop I didn't mean to, but I sent it to two people and it was talking about the same thing. So I spoke with one of them, made up my mind and then didn't follow up the other one because I was too exhausted from the first conversation. Oh my God. You left them hanging for three days. So did you get in trouble with them? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah you would have gotten in trouble from me too. I would have been so stressed. I would have been so worried. dickhead who doesn't use WhatsApp. Sorry? <laughs> Uh, one of them's a dickhead who doesn't use WhatsApp. Well, people, they, you should be, should be using Signal anyway. Hi. Mark Zuckerberg can get in there and he can get his uh, little paws on all of your secrets. Mm. Do you reckon? Okay, I think your hair looks really good. And so I'm thinking that Mark Zuckerberg would probably love your secrets. Like, wait, no, I think Mark Zuckerberg, I'm beneath the care of Mark Zuckerberg. I think Mark Zuckerberg has bigger fish to fry. Uh, yeah, but he doesn't have bigger fish to fuck. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I one time heard a story from a friend's mum about, friend's mum's the thing, and she claims that, uh, that when she went to university with someone who had a fetish for sticking fish up his ass, like a live fish uh, or dead fish, <clears throat> dead fish. But like, oh, then, he like yeah. really, in- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like whatever. Like sure, like I do. But he was just like, it was like, yeah, really into like butt fish. Yeah. And then like went went and got like this like big old juicy fish, like especially especially big one, like for the weekend. And then just like it like it had to be the the fish. The sensation of the fish going in the butt is what was he was really into. And then, um, but it was a fish that had like a, uh, uh, its fin had some spikes on it. So it went in fine, but then coming out, it got stuck. And he couldn't get it out. And so then he spent like... Trouble. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Three to four days with a rotting fish in, in his butt. Eventually passed out, went to hospital, and they had to like remove a part of his colon. The slut drive. What is the engine of trouble? Why did he wait four days before going to the hospital? Shame! Ah, uh, yeah. Shame. Oh my god, I have spent. Shame. Hey, wait, have we talked about shame? No, we talked about guilt. It was a very popular episode. We talked about shame at the very end of sluts. Did of we? Slut shaming. Yeah. Yes, we did. Oh, I've wasted so much of my life with shame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But shame just gets us every now and again. It just pops out when you're just not expecting it, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of like... Just like the fish in your just, butt. Like the fish in your butt. Yeah, suddenly, yeah. And then it's like... Or more like the fish getting stuck in your butt, actually. You're just like, you know what? This is all well and good. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, who am I? What have I done? Where am I going in my life? And then you're you're troubled. 
Yeah, I always got really scared of getting things lost in my butt. But like, there was never any danger of that. <laughs> no, yeah, like what? Like what? Yeah. Um, uh, wow. What would have got lost in your butt? But in my butt. What got lost in your bought? In my bought. Uh, I don't know. Can we um, rename your butt? Your my bought? sense of whimsy. Your sense of whimsy. Yeah, absolutely. My my uh, <laughs> laissez-faire attitude. My joy, joyous. My devil may care attitude. Got lost oh in my, my butt. <laughs> um, the chance. You don't have a devil may care attitude. You have something that is either like uh, either a position of absolute care or the actual devil is in control. Yeah, yeah, like... absolutely. <clears throat> like I do not have a devil may care attitude. I am either the devil or I care yeah. a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Absolutely. Like, because I'm like less sort of depressed and anxious and stuff now, I'm kind of really enjoying my radical capacity to swing between those two poles. Oh like <laughs> the one which is like, you know, if if anything in the world changes place, I, I, I must be aware of it and able to fix it if it goes wrong. And one which is like, I will set fire to a school. <laughs> 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 like, but a series of principled reasons I will now elaborate on to the crowd that has assembled yeah. whilst I'm holding the torch in my hand. I didn't even just do it for like random whatever. Yeah. I did, you know, I had a purpose. <laughs> remember, I, maybe, oh, I can't remember when that was. Maybe it was that there was a show actually where just after Notre Dame caught fire and I gave a big speech about why I set fire to Notre Dame. <laughs> Um, and it was actually really good. Yeah. Um, it was really good. Yeah. Well, it was great that Notre Dame burned down. So, well, it was a much, like it was much less important than the Grenfell Tower burning down, for example. Oh yeah. That's what kind of what I was talking about. That it's just like, there were like these priceless, um, artifacts or like the building is priceless and blah, blah, blah. And I just found that so obscene because it's like, um, like it literally does have a price. Um, because yeah. capitalism has slapped a worth on it. Um, and also, like, what, does, what doesn't have a price is a human life. Because if you put a price mm. on a human life, that's either um, <clears throat> taking out a hit on someone or, yeah. uh, or slavery. Um, like, those are two of the <clears throat> easiest ways to sort of, like, like, to put a price on life. But actually, human life is priceless. Because every human yeah. life... Um, uh, like it matters and so like mm. for us to be so upset when like a building burns like and then just not care at all when like as you pointed out like you know hundreds of thousands of people or over a hundred thousand no. people have died uh through yeah. uh austerity uh who oh, like yeah. disabled people who died through austerity in the uk since the introduction like 10 years ago it gets even worse that when they decommissioned uh, Big Ben to literally repair it with new gold leaf, to apply new gold to the Bing Bong clock, like next to the Houses of Parliament, people assembled and publicly cried. <sighs> yeah. Pub oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like this, these, like, this outpouring of like public like grief and like and like oh like a big ben being put away and it was just kind of like and then the grandfather like nothing like this happened for the grandfather time maybe it vigils that people like organize but like just this like public just like oh arriving for this oh thing to, yeah to literally apply new gold leaf jesus <clears throat> 
I mean, there's also like as a um, well, that's troubling. Yeah, it's troubling. Well, that's the tr- but it's also the trouble with this is that we identify more often with images. Like you know how like when people are watching often when people are watching movies, like someone will die and it's like, uh, but then like the pet will die, and it's like oh, oh, and it's like often showing a pet or an animal dying on screen, or even suggested is is even more hardcore and upsetting than it is having a person die. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And like, I think maybe it's also because it's like, perhaps it's also just because <clears throat> there is a level of like grief and trauma provoked by another human death. Like there is a, you know, that you can't just access uh, on like from watching something on screen. You have to actually experience it. And also equally, like you don't necessarily want to be experiencing like genuine grief. Hmm from going to watch a movie or something like that. But yeah. This person died. That's a bit ridiculous. But like, and so, so, you know, whereas the pet, you can be like, oh, I can really, I'm, that's closer so I can imagine it. But the point is though, is it's to do with like, I don't know, it's sort of like this thing of like, also humans are, you know, confusing and multifaceted. Whereas something like say, I don't know, Thomas the Tank Engine is a very simple cartoon character that we can all, far more clearly see. So more people are going to be able to relate to Thomas the Tank Engine than they are necessarily going to be able to like some random person, some other random person because we have like a capacity to remember about 100 faces. That's what it's thought. So one of the reasons people love soap operas is because it's the same face again and again and again and again over like 10 to 20 to 30 years. And so they get to see so they don't have to like relearn new faces and stuff. So I don't know. There's in many ways we deal better with personifications of things rather than the thing in itself that's my point yeah yeah it also makes me think that it's like if you see like i don't know some some like friend or like someone that you know's dog die like maybe it's easier to cry because you know that at a certain point you will stop but then sometimes like i don't know you don't start crying about stuff because you're worried that you never will stop Mm, yeah 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 definitely and so therefore it's just easier it's also we don't really have so much so many spaces for like emotionality within our society we have like parties i'm so like i'm so bad at crying like i really mm. this is one thing i really liked about um when i my ex and i broke up that i was just crying every day all the time and it was just like so much release oh my God, of course you look... sorry i didn't hear you of course I like, I'm just like, of course you'd love crying when you manage to do it. You're like, oh, I get to be so gothic and whimsical. Oh, the sadness of coming from my eyes. Oh. Well, it's also just like vomiting. That it's just like, it's a very intense physical process. And afterwards you feel a bit better. And like... Which do you prefer? Uh, I'm so afraid of all both. <laughs> <laughs> and I never vomit either. I like, I always hold it in. And like often when I want to cry, I feel it. It feels like there's a, um, I can feel like a mask underneath my skin that like the feeling yeah. can't get past, but I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it's also like, yeah, it's both this combination of like, I think like what is grievable and like working mm. class lives uh, are like not considered as grievable. Uh, oh, like, absolutely not. Or like migrant no. lives, or like no. non-white lives, um, like are not no, considered I mean, as grievable. Like, and so, like, just but it's just obscene that people are willing to like 
Yeah. Like the Princess Anastasia. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Poor princess. Yeah. Mm. Not on my watch. <laughs> 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 yeah like, sorry babes revolutions at hand i remember this when i was studying the uh the russian revolution for uh high school in year 12 um and i remember sort of interrogating that inside myself where i'm like oh my god because it is it was an awful story you know they were being that family yeah. has moved they were being moved and the kids obviously hadn't you know done anything yet but like <laughs> but like um uh, but it is a thing that the children, but the children the of monarchs, the children it's, of monarchs also do yeah. do try and um, anyway. Um, but yeah, like, but no, this is, but no, this it was is terrible because you know they yeah. were being they were being moved from one place to another, and then all of a sudden they're just taken off a train in the night, taken down to a basement, and murdered. That's horrific. Um, yeah, like, and like, like, and it, like it is an awful like. Uh, like thing to happen. No, it's, um, it's objective. But I was like, why do I find this more sad than like the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were murdered by, um, by, uh, the czar, for example. Yeah. Like why, why, yeah. why, why do I mourn? And it's because that that picture is more vivid that the, the, that life in its complexity is presented to us that we know that like, what was his name? Like I- Ivan, like the son, he had hemophilia um mm. and oh, he, he, oh, he was a sicky one yeah. and then like sometimes he had a tummy ache don't you do get tummy ache too oh you're a bit like ivan well i Ooh. i don't i don't think hemophilia is its main its main symptom is a tummy ache it's a life-threatening illness <laughs> especially back then yeah but he probably also got a tummy ache as well and it's just like this thing of just being like yeah like again it's, it's hemophilia i mean it's all the inbreeding it actually it actually um very well could have been yeah I mean, it was it's a, it was a common complaint in the in these <clears throat> royal families. Yeah, have you gone down the Habsburg hole? I know about the Habsburg jaw. Yeah, the but have you like actually spent like a day on the internet just googling the Habsburgs? I did enough Habsburgs? to try and work out why they were also ruling in Spain and then the Netherlands or something. Oh, they were all over. Yeah, they controlled the vast majority. Wait, of was Marie Antoinette a Habsburg? Yes. Ah. Did not have a prominent Habsburg's jaw though. Had a rounded jaw. No, because she like she fucked someone out like that was like more than her cousin once removed or something. No, you mean her parents? <laughs> yes. Yes. You did not like inbreeding <laughs> Imagine, imagine like you fuck your cousin, all of a sudden you've got this hectic Habsburg jaw, and people are like, "Have you been fucking your cousin again?" You're like, "No." <laughs> no, no, I haven't. You, no, you, you can't talk properly. So <laughs> it was always like this. Yeah, but there were like a bunch of people who like, like within it as well. Like it, within it, like the their aunt, their aunts would also be like their fucking um, like. Oh God, one was really fucked up, and I was just staring at it, trying to figure out. It's like aunt and grandmother were the same person. Wow. So, so, yeah, uh, no, because I was like, does that, that would, yeah, no, I got confused. I think I don't understand incest, but you know what? I think that's fine. I think that's fine too. Yeah, it's fucked. And so basically as well, like, yeah, and they basically like, but the idea was that they were like, we will marry into the family to keep the blood pure. Yeah. Yeah. And like, 
So, and then the thing is, is they also, as well, like, then were using their family to marry them off strategically to seize and control more and more territory mm. within Europe. It's so perverse, right? Um, the idea of, like, taking, um, like, kinship relations and yeah. reducing them entirely to a means by which one can, um, like, accumulate countries. Countries. Like, but then, countries that are then, full of, like peasants or serfs that are bonded to the land like it's so fu- yeah 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 but it's so funny because also as well like then basically as well is like it's like this kind of like early early sort of form of accumulation by using the body mm. right so then they were like okay in the same way as we see wealth concentrate they literally did that with that biological material and then because of course they were all so well uh, they were also prominent. There's hundreds of portraits that were done. And so you can look at the portraits of them and see them slowly, like these Renaissance portraits, like a time lapse of the inbreeding getting more and more hectic. Yeah. It's like so awful. And it turns out that um, that they're still alive. Their dynasty still goes on. And like their head, the next head of the family the is Habsburgs. a Formula One racer. Yes. What? The Habsburgs yeah, are still around. Yeah, the yeah, I mean, Europe, Europe is a hoarder. Doesn't that go of anything? Yeah, there's also, like, there is a Romanov. Um, I also saw that the, the person who would be the successor to the Hawaiian crown um, is also, is a Republican, actually. Um, and Oh, God. Yeah, like, the, well, I guess, yeah. The only ones, yeah, like, because it was really only the French who sort of, like, really mopped up after the royal family, huh? Yeah, right. And then basically that is what instigated the order of liberalism. And then whereas they attempted to do a similar thing with like communism or with socialism uh, in Russia. And then basically, uh, you know, the Red Terror as well. And this is this is the trouble. This is the trouble with these things is history is written by the victors. So basically, ultimately, their project did not succeed. And so then it was then not. Uh, rehistoricize or like uh, is it rehistoricized or historicized properly mm-hmm. so basically in that sense like the French Revolution is this you know great moment within um, like liberty mm. equality like fraternity like this great moment within liberal discourse like, it's always like the French Revolution it's just like ah yeah you know it's about people coming going. and they they uh, sense there's so many batshit things number one in the French Revolution, they remade the, car- the calendar. They went away from the Georgian calendar entirely. They refused to do it because they said it was full of like dead gods and paganism and all these things, which the various months are named after, uh, they are or named after like Roman emperors or stuff. And so they, to distance themselves from bourgeois culture, they got away from all of those things. And then also like, there was this, like for years and years and years, like at least a decade, there was this like, that I think, I'm not sure. It was just completely fucked. The whole thing was completely fucked. And people got desensitized. And like, you know this thing about the people who used to knit at the gallo- at the guillotine? Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, but basically people would just come down and just like, like, just like old ladies used to sit and chat and knit at the gallows watching the heads literally roll. Yeah. Like, and this is this great and glorious moment within European history that is like, you know, with the Red Terror that was us like there, like crucial for the liberal order and crucial for the for the emancipation and the enlightenment of man. Well, both of those revolutions had something called the Red Terror, right? Like, so there, there was also, there yes. was a Red Terror in Russia and there was a Red Terror in France. Um, yeah. And then there was a Red Scare in America. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. You're, you're very right about that. There's this uh, book about the October Revolution called uh, October by China Mieville, who's my, uh, one of my favorite authors. 
and it's really nice because it's history written by a um, a novelist, so it reads like a novel, mm-hmm. um, and it has this thing at the end. Um, actually, I'm just it's just here, just a second. Yeah. I've also, I've just Googled it. The term the Red Terror came from the French Revolution and used to describe the last six weeks of the Reign of Terror, uh, which ended with Robespierre's execution. And then it was reappropriated from there to describe the uh, Soviet Revolution. Aha. Expropriated. Expropriated. I like it. Um... Oh, yeah, he's just describing some people who sort of like are on a train and they're desperately like it's a doomed sort of uh, trajectory that they have in the Russian Revolution. And then they're trying to sort of like shift the train, but like the train tracks are like history and it's hurtling forward. And he says, like, with all of the mistakes that Mm. the um, that the that the Bolsheviks made, his sympathy will always be with those people who are trying to drive the train towards like a better future. And it's kind of Mm. I thought it was quite beautiful. Actually, it was like a very yeah. nice um, uh, thing. So, but yeah, so like, yes, it's bad that the Romanovs were murdered in cold blood, but it's yeah. also bad that they were out- allowed to own a country. Yeah. And, yes. that, and that in maintaining that, uh, in, in like, uh, like the Tsar, like maintaining that, like, and like having thousands and thousands of people die, that was also bad. Yeah, that was also really bad. <laughs> yeah, and then also saying that the reason why this is there is because of God. Yeah, is also uh, lying and lying. Oh, that's also bad. And also, you know, the 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 least defensible moral uh, argument that parents ever make is two wrongs mm. don't make a right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> like that's fucking bullshit. Like. Like it's like it because this moral equivalence between violent acts um, yeah. is like so often used by liberals that it's like you know that we must have non-violent resistance like we and we must be non-violent at all costs no matter how many people die as, as a result of that because like yeah. if there is a violent social order then to respond with violence would always be um, would always be morally equivalent. Um, mm. And I like I have the same outrage towards that perspective as I had when like my parents would be like trying to break up a fight between me and my sister and like two wrongs don't make a right or something like that. It's like, well, yeah. sometimes they do. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes they fucking do. And maybe they don't make it right. But maybe my objective wasn't to make it right, but rather <laughs> to uh, to assert my autonomy against my against autonomy. my sister who's eight years younger than me. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't a very nice sibling. <laughs> It's just the assumption that we're living in a in a patrilinear world. So it's also the thing is as well is that you are not attempting to necessarily be right. But it's, I was reading. Um, I'm not really sure about this uh, this book, but I was reading up on a. I was doing some research on the Furies earlier, like from Greek mythology, because I was looking for something, and um, they also have the name the Kindly Ones. And it turns out there was a book written in 2006 called The Kindly Ones, and it's written from the perspective of a French SS officer. Um, cool. Yeah, and it was like, and it was yeah. So I was trying to go in there because it, it, the the in France it did super duper well, like super duper well. They were like, oh my god, it was and a novel. A bit like, yeah, it was a novel. And I'm like, I'm like, I mean, there is this thing within like lots of people. You know, it's also one of these things of just being like, mm, it's like one of these things where it's like, uh, but in the German language uh, translation was critiqued as uh, the author was critiqued as a pornographer of violence. 
Um, so, and I was trying to like sort of get, obviously the person, whoever wrote the Wikipedia obviously really loved it. So I was trying to understand it a bit more and stuff. And um, just understand this, this weird thing, because it's like mm, the Holocaust Memorial uh, Museum on their Twitter and some accounts that I follow, some Jewish accounts that I follow on uh, Instagram, they talk about like this, how, for example, there's a big critique of the boy in the striped pajamas mm -hmm. because the boy in the striped pajamas is one, is a very heavily viewed film about the, uh, so many people have seen this film yeah. and it's full of inaccuracies. It's completely full of inaccuracies and it's humanizing Nazis and it's using these inaccuracies to just be like, ah, you know, we're all human. There's all these things with these Nazis, and it's it's actually a, a technical misrepresentation, like of this situation. It's a falsification of history, basically. And it's a novel. It's a novel. So yeah, sure, it can do certain things. But about this, it's like many many people have said that the like when we use these when we use this figure of the Nazi as a romantic historical figure to sort of identify with for like the failures of the human condition with like historical inaccuracies, that is something that promotes anti-Semitism. Yeah, and so yeah. like. You know, of course. So I was reading this thing to be like, I was wondering, is this book kind of like, is is there the same critique of this book as there is of the boy in striped pajamas? So I was reading into it, and but something kind of interesting. There was one kind of interesting part about it where um, the author said he used the term "the kindly ones" uh, as the name because it was also thinking about, um, and there's also the structure of the uh, uh, the Euripides. I think the that's the play with the uh, the um, with the Furies in it. Um, Euripides is the is writer. A, oh, you no, okay, and it was a, a play about Arrest, uh, Arrestia, whoever. It's like yeah. the child of fucking Agamemnon. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, look at like us with our green on the beach. There, it's a, uh, not a, yeah, I've got that here. Yeah, yeah, the one that he's yeah, so, forced to sacrifice to the Furies. Yes, or yeah, basically what he does is no, he's like it's um, it's this child getting play, getting uh, revenge on his mother for killing. His father, Agamemnon. Oh. No, the one with Agamemnon. Agamemnon's in the, the War of Troy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The War of Troy? Uh, yeah, the War of yeah, Troy. Yeah, yeah, and they, but the one I was thinking of is the one where the the, the ocean, the, the winds go still. And in order to yeah. get the winds to go over, um, he has to sacrifice his daughter. And he, he does. And he does. To yeah, and Art but Artemis actually turns her into a dove at the last minute. Oh, really? She gets to live as a wild animal. Yeah, it turns out and he gets replaced like that. But like, oh, so, so then afterwards, someone then goes along and kills him. His wife when he gets back from the war. Oh, fair call. Yeah, right. Yeah, fair call. But then her son. See, two wrongs like, do make a right. Yep. Yeah, no, but then her son is like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Like, and then he's, he does this, and then the Furies who are they're there. They enact uh, vengeance on someone who kills a parent within those things yeah and so and then there's this very complicated process and it was sort of all these kind of like legal points so anyway the author says that he used this um he used this who was an american writing in french he said he used this idea because basically greek ideas of justice allow us are uh, more nuanced or allow us a different approach because christian ideas of justice yeah uh, correspond to notions of sin and then it's too easy to create these like binary abstracts so there's like sinning and not sinning and then intentional sin and then unintentional sin as well and also you know there's kind of this like four-way sort of cross and so it's to a certain extent as well as like lots of like the nazi high command said well one of them said that I, and i went down a whole like researching these things one of them said that i was too busy doing my job to worry 
uh, of organizing the trains to worry about where the trains were going. That sounds like it was probably Eichmann. Yeah. Yeah, like this was one of the. It was something. It was not the one that Hannah Arendt wrote. No, but Hannah Arendt wrote the banality of evil. How evil is like a very boring thing. And so, Mm. yeah, there was this thing of being like, oh, it was an unintentional sin. I didn't know I was doing it, so therefore it occupied. So whereas, like, if you were actively doing something wrong, then somehow you are worse because not only is the thing that you are doing wrong, but then also you have an intention, and therefore your soul is wrong. Mm. Yeah, I think it's also like what's really problematic about like romanticizing. Um, and like humanizing like figures from that time. It's like if you see now like de-radicalization efforts um, yeah. like of like neo-Nazis and stuff like that, like sometimes they work. Um, mm. But like that it's not sort of like that like some someone manages to sort of like reach into some sort of like human um, uh, like human. What's the word? Uh like when it works it's not because someone like uh like touched some sort of human impulse in and it froze their their their, their yeah oh, sorry melted their frozen hearts or something but rather that people were able to do like these really strenuous and difficult and dangerous outreach sort of things uh to mm. help people leave a situation that they had realized is evil um yeah and it's like it's it's a it's a huge amount of work um and uh like and it wouldn't make a very good uh, i guess what was that american history x is kind of about that yeah but like um but even that is just like the 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 reality of how like people are de-radicalized is like really like gross and um and like unromantic and shit like that so and it does like a real disservice because actually that's increasingly a problem now like of course Mm. it's like you're not going to de-radicalize like a hard-baked nazi but like people who are like, um, like swayed by the by the the uh, IFD, like politicians yeah. and stuff like that. They like we do need to actually convince them to no longer vote for that party, to no longer believe in the toxic things that they uh, and evil things that they they say. And yeah. so it doesn't help us to have these sort of like sappy romantic narratives about how we need to talk about universal brotherhood. Like, um, no, well, no, really, also. No, and quite the opposite, even. Yeah, it like it's, I mean, it's also a question of how to sort of like, uh, like redistribute resources so people can have have livable lives, so that they don't like, so that they're not looking around for a reason as to why things are fucked. Yeah, I would call that the way that one and all of those things, right? Is that there's like, is that that's not some you know, it's not that's not some simple cut and dried like nice simple uh, beginning, middle, and end like narrative. That is something that's like a very messy and ongoing thing. And for that, what you really need to be doing is you really need to be staying, staying with, with the, the trouble. trouble. <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take you. Yeah. <laughs> staying with the trouble. It is staying with the trouble. Because it's also, I think it's very important is that historical, like historical revisionism around the Nazis, like maybe didn't seem like such a big problem. Like, oh, we can dabble with this whenever the boy in striped pajamas came out or like in this other thing but now we're actually looking now we've like actually had this like gigantic populist movements that have created these completely expectation defying like situations and put basically proto-fascist ideas like back onto the uh the center right uh political spectrum within europe and america yeah. and um yeah and in places that imagine themselves to be far too polite and progressive to ever do something like that that actually like historical revisionism in that sense um 
And it's always it's always a revision because it's always again it's always a reconstruction. It's never any historical thing that we look at now is a is a current perspective on a past thing. Yeah, well, that's the more a story. Objective, yeah, yeah, and it's like the more objective that it's presented as, like, no, this is the way it like actually happened. I think the best, you know, is pure ideology. I think the best like description, the best way to imagine this or to see this is like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how the movies they're like super. They're like, hey, if there were like actually elves, this is what they would actually look like. There's like hyper realistic fantasy. Yeah, and we're like, yeah, that's actually what it would be like. It's like that's. <laughs> That's what it is when we're looking at any kind of historical dramatization in any way that is presenting itself as as like the actual way that it happens. Yes. Yeah. It's like we're just looking at the Lord of the Rings version. We're looking like there's it's a fetishization of reality because it's not the reality. It's always a reproduction. Mm. But then that raises the question of how to do history. Right. Because like one of the um, mm. one of the like the jobs of like ensuring like the Ni Vida, like the never again sort of mm-hmm. uh, thing in like um, never allowing fascists to come to power, never allowing uh, like genocide to, uh, like to, to happen again and stuff like this. Like one of the jobs of that is like recording as faithfully as possible what happened. So it kind of relies on this idea, this narrativization of history as well. How do, how do, you how don't do, have to worry about your history when you're this much of a legend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I know. I think that there's a gigantic difference between doing history and like making okay. a blockbuster movie. Okay, so you are talking novel. specifically about um, like uh, fictionalized sort of sensationalized, uh, like fictionalized pop cultural accounts rather than I the think, process yeah, of I... narrativizing history. No, but it's actually it exists even within even, and I think actually the the more advanced the historic historical scholar gets, then the more we learn about this, we actually are learning more and more things about history. The further we get away from certain historical events, the more we even learn about them yeah. as well. You know, like we and that um, uh, the things I can't think of any like ridiculous examples, but there are so there are so many things about things we didn't understand about the past that when we David Letterman it, was a creep the whole time. Yes, David Lemon At the time, we didn't know, and he was just a total creep the whole time. Yep, a total creep the whole time. Well, I guess some people knew, you know. (laughs) Women. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's also, it's just things like, you know, it's like when we look back at the Victorian times, it's like also like the Victorians could just go and like buy Coke from like a fucking pharmacy or something like that, you know? It's kind of one of these things. Yeah, whereas we have to call a taxi. (laughs) <laughs> like actually was, they could just go to the pharmacy but it's like yeah but did the pharmacy come to them because it does now <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know i just like i do love imagining a bunch of coked up victorians just chilling uh yeah i reckon victorian sex parties would have been pretty hectic yeah and i yeah, mean yeah, that yeah. in both a good and a bad way Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely, 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 definitely. But you know, actually, I have a question, or just maybe just mm-hmm. I have something I want to know your opinion on, which I guess is a question. So Clementine Morrigan, um, do yeah. you, you follow them? Yes. Yeah. And they um, like because they're always like the, the, one of their big things that they uh, like post about is cancel culture, um, mm-hmm. and one of the problems I have. No, like a lot of the stuff that they say, actually most of the stuff that they say, I find like really convincing. But one of mm. the problems, one of the troubles that I have with it, because because they make this, like, I guess they're talking about this thing that it's like this refusal on the left to sit and stay with the trouble and be like, well, this is, yeah. this is a troubling conversation. This is a troubling situation. 
and um, uh, like if I stay with that then like maybe we can produce something or we can like connect in some way or like or maybe someone can be educated or something like that um, like but that that desire has been missing on certain parts of the left for like quite a while um, mm. and I think so this this is where this like a very valid point that this critique makes but where I kind of lose them is that they don't make they don't differentiate their critique of cancel culture um, so uh, really like enough from like um, what the like the right like you know like the, mm. it's a right-wing meme to, to, co to complain about cancel culture and so I'm like yeah. I've, it's, I've, it's it's problematic like not as in morally bad but genuinely the, the real meaning of the word problematic that like <laughs> Their, their mm. critique has so much, so many words in common with like what is essentially just a right-wing meme. What do you think of that? Yeah. I, one time I started researching, I just, I found their Instagram one time, really enjoyed it. And I started researching them a bit more to be like, okay, actually, who is this person? And also, because they, they talked about being cancelled. And I was like, well, why is, why is this actually happening? And like, they don't want to, I get they don't want to talk, why they don't want to talk about it uh, necessarily. They've, they've said enough about it for, for themselves. And then, yeah, and then there were some people that, like, there were in that process, like, there were some um, things, uh, there were some people that I found, there was some, there was one real article that was like a deep dive, but it was not an article, it was a blog post. And um, it was about also saying that there was some, like, basically, like, yeah, there was some conservative pop cultural uh, theorist who basically was, like, upholding them and there was, like, some discourse between them, apparently. Like, but it wasn't really very clear what was going on. And it was very obvious that the person who had written this um, uh, blog post was completely fucking insane. And I mean, like, crazy. And what's interesting is that, like, as someone who spent a year in AA, a lot of things, a lot of the way that, a lot, the subtext of a lot of uh, Moringan's posts are, is the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a huge, a huge thing. And it's about... Because they are sober, aren't they? They are sober, yeah. yeah. And they also... And something they say as well is they say, like, I've been cancelled for this, for um, social media stuff, for, like, not posting enough about something. They, they said, I, I didn't post enough about... I posted about something and people felt that I hadn't posted enough about it. So a cancel campaign got whipped up to around them and attacked them. And then that cancel campaign fed back into itself and empowered itself more uh, to do these things. And I think that, like... Uh, and so that's where it's from. And they say, it's really funny because I've done loads of abusive things because I used to be a street drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah, not going to be cancelled for any of yeah, those. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like, like fucking, uh, like used to be someone like doing their doing bum fights. So I think with Clementine Meringan, the trick is to, uh, there is no way to universalise them. Like take the, each meme as it is, see if there's anything useful in it and choose to leave it or not. But what I will say, I think there's that, what I will say is that the problem is with seeing cancel culture and the left as even the same thing is a uh, is itself a, a, a problem. But there is there is an overlap. And what I think that lots of people don't realize about uh, cancel culture and the left and where they intersect is that it's an attempt to build basically a critical mass movement. Like. And the idea is that if you get like something like 3.5% of the population doing a certain thing in a certain way, you will affect 
a change throughout the entire population. Mm -hmm. That's kind of basically it. Before that, that's to really do that, you've got to be quite regimented, very highly controlled, very highly organized, actually quite violent. It's actually quite difficult. It's like saying, you won't do this, you will do that. And it's also as well, people want to say that this stuff doesn't work, but it does work because that's what people did about AIDS. Like people like ACT UP and all those things, they were they were very invasive. They shut things down. They like were very challenging. So those that level of disruption strategy has been carried in to something but the problem is is that it's all done on the actual organization is an individualistic and moralistic mm. form of organization so it's not about an organization saying we want these goals and we want these things to happen it's about using all these very formal and very definite strategies to say uh, we're going to create a good, a good system to live in because we're good people. Yeah. And that that process of good, who who is to judge? Great. That's re- I think that's really uh, enlightening. Thank you. Da da. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to listen back to that actually. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, there's a lot, I think it's interesting, I realised it at one point, but yeah, it's like basically as well, like, it's um, one of the f- fastest ways to fail uh, is to not have clear objectives, which is what I'm, I do this all the fucking time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the fucking time I'm doing this, like, you need, you're clear, do you, and basically you need clear objectives and a, a simple, and a set of steps to get there, and each one of those steps should be achievable and then the thing is is that it's easy when you break that each one of those things down into a beginning a middle and an end so you can actually have that and just like it's also that this is this is what the working the work the, the hoi polloi the working class needs to a certain extent to be convinced that there is something in it for them in joining the left and then there are other parts of the left saying well why are we convincing them are we are we then salespeople? and so then you know like there is a yes. problem yeah <laughs> like what well, i just yeah i just i find this uh but it's yeah like, yeah i think it's a very clear when people want moral purity rather than to win i think it it shows mm. it's, it's a very clear insight into um uh like what their motivations are for engaging in left-wing politics like which is like yeah. it, i don't think this isn't necessarily a politically informed opinion of mine but you can tell when someone's just angry um rather yeah, than no. when someone is like this world sucks and I genuinely do want to live in a better one. What do, what needs to happen yeah. for that, you know? Yeah, but I think, again, is if we come back to this, like, Judeo-Christian sin, there's sinning, not sinning, intentional sin and unintentional sin as well. Like, there's, I think there's another one there. And basically, I think the vast majority of people want to be absent, like want to be absent of sin or to, to not have yeah. uh, to not be have sin to escape the originary sin that is basically you know like you can read the the fall of eve and like the eating of the apple as like a metaphor for the rise of consciousness yeah you know it's like and then well it's like, like it's and, literally what god says to them right at some point that they have become conscious i think yeah so. yeah, yeah yeah like you've become conscious you've learned good and evil and it's like just as we were talking earlier like shame can just come in the back door like very suddenly yeah you know, it was like this thing of just like learning to deal with yourself and shame and just trying to get away as far away from the experience of shame or the shameful ob- object as possible is what mo- motivates lots of people. And there are lots of motivations to do political things because of that. Yeah, it's actually, it's interesting. Also, that actually something that Clementine Morgan posted recently that really did mm. uh, resonate with me was like um, this pers- this like relentless desire and anxiety to become like 
um, a good person uh, is like a waste of your time if you're traumatized because like the problem yeah. isn't that you're a good, that you're a bad person. Like yeah. if the problem was that you were a bad person, then like like you you know like people don't get traumatized because they're lacking in some way. They get traumatized because trauma happens, um, and that yeah. was really useful sort of uh, thing to me. That it's like, and then I was like, yeah, like because I guess I was really anxious about especially when my PTSD was really bad. I was really anxious that I wasn't uh, a good person or I wasn't being a good person. And now mm. I'm just like, oh, I can have a little bit, bit of being a bad person as a treat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, failing and being annoying or like being inconsiderate. And like, you just need to do that sometimes. Yeah. 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 So, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also this kind of like... Because also yeah, being... Oh, weird. sorry. No, it's just the... Uh, no, please. What is it? Also <laughs> being... Uh, it's like, uh, like being really worried about being a bad person doesn't make you a better person. So like sometimes yeah. like if you're really depressed and anxious, you like can resent other people because you feel like um, I'm trying so hard all the time um, to be good and 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 like you're not or something like that but it's like you can be trying very hard to not be a total cunt and be being a total cunt at the same time yeah no completely completely, wanting to be a better person doesn't that that is not a moral virtue in and of itself and that's it goes back to the christian thing yeah wanting to be closer to god while sinning uh, while while hurting people um doesn't make it doesn't matter it doesn't yeah. matter if you desire to do the right thing and then you do the wrong thing. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, and that's it. I want to say so earlier, actually, I think that the road to hell, you know, I really agree with the statement, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. From Four and Minutes like... by Justin Timberlake and, um, and Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> Love them. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Name a more iconic duo. <laughs> like... Um... Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Like the kind of people you'd sit down with, like at like a fancy table at a fancy club, and like just drink all their free drinks, and then when they leave, just be like, Ugh. no, maybe not Madonna actually, but in that video, yes, like, ugh, so. Bland. Oh, the two, th- them together, yeah, definitely, yeah. He really, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he has like, a cool god. sucking effect. Yeah, like Justin Timberlake really is a human rye bread. Uh, like he's such a dick, and also he left Janet Jackson out to dry. And that's awful. Oh, uh, did you know that that video launched YouTube? Really? People were desperate. Yeah, because there was basically is that that, that it was just as YouTube was starting as a platform. And like basically everybody wanted to see that moment. The video was being hosted on YouTube. And so people like poured into YouTube to see it kind of thing. YouTube was just a video, some random video hosting website. Uh-huh. that was in the right place at the right time to capture this audience, this mass pop cultural event. Yeah, and he, com- no, he completely did. And it's also like, and then it's like, but yeah, like he, yeah, poor Janet. Poor but Janet. But what's great, on YouTube, you can see all these videos of Janet Jackson sexually torturing fans at gigs. It's like in one of her songs, like um, she would like bring a fan on stage and they would tie him down to like something with his arm, like some big crucifix thing with his arms out. And then she would basically go all over him and like dry hump him. And you can see in their faces, they're basically coming. Wow. Imagine yeah. being, oh, I guess that would be, oh, that could be really hot actually. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. In front of thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. She would have just in had front of 
to find a fan who like wasn't gay right <laughs> oh yeah no they, they would do these dudes were like i think you know what i think even like actually that yeah, at the no, time there's yeah. the hysteria the hysteria that people are experiencing is unbelievable yeah 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 in front of more people than the conservative party killed with austerity and that's a lot <laughs> yeah, but, but, what <laughs> tell me some trouble that you love Oh, some trouble that I love. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. No, 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 no. <laughs> Wait. Oh no, we've, we've drawn her attention. No, no, no. She's become aware of us. <laughs> I'm not including that. I'm not referring to her. <laughs> that is t- too much trouble. That is too much trouble. <laughs> I'm going to add another blank to that one. <laughs> no way. I am, I am not attracting that eye of Sauron to this podcast. No way. <laughs> yeah, just blank it out and then be like, no, that is too much trouble. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. And also, um, I have a story for you after, after we uh, finish. Oh my God, amazing. Yeah. So no, what's in trouble? What's in trouble you love? Um, being a slut. I was literally about to say being a slut as well. <laughs> I was like sex party. Yeah, I'm, sexy I'm, just, I'm just loving being a slut at the moment. And also, uh, yeah. Um, what else? For me, also, I think no, I really, yeah, no, I love, I getting love getting wasted. I'm getting loving getting wasted too. God, getting wasted. No, for me, I think, oh, what's the trouble I love? Like, I'm in a fucking annoying place with like the project I'm working on. And like, but in like about two weeks time, I'm actually going to be in residency and all the organization theoretically pays off in this moment. And then there's going to be all these creative people there who are going to like work towards like helping achieve an idea that I've come up with. And I'm just like, part of me is just like, like, am I going to feel like a king, king, queen, queen, king? Am I gonna feel? And I'm gonna be like, am I just gonna be living? Or are you gonna are you like gonna be that? a king, as in like everyone's doing what you say? Or will you be a king like Tsar Nicholas the uh, the third, who was shot in a basement? I mean, well, probably if it's Tsar Nicholas, it, the whole thing's probably going to be really, really stressful, and I don't deal too well with stress, so I probably invite it at that point. So it sounds like a win-win situation. Yeah, exactly. So either success or shot in a basement, which, to be yeah. fair, is the gamble that he took. <laughs> well, yeah but i do find sometimes i find when i have like really big art pieces or like even just it comes down with sometimes any performance actually sometimes sometimes it'll just be randomly there'll be some like performance work that i have to do that feels like real and that is the moment that the rest of the world decides to go absolutely fucking ape shit like ape shit and then in uh, after the performance goes everything just chills out again it's really weird and sometimes i feel like the way I'm like, the spirit, I'm narrativizing this. As long as I feel like the world just chucks you these challenges to see if you get the privilege of like being an artist. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to, you have to basically, it's one of these things, it's like basically to being an artist is that all these things come up that cause trouble and all these big problems like that. And you have to literally take it in your stride, carry on and then go out there and present your work. Oh yeah. That's also, like, lucky we had such good training as drag queens. Oh my god, literally. Yay, drag. You know, like drag. someone someone like like literally threatening to bash you or actually bashing you. I got yeah. hit once. I've only been hit twice and once was the really bad time. And the first time this guy kicked me 
but I did push him first. Um, yeah. Uh, but, um, uh, and like he kicked me cause he was like, he was getting up in my face. It was really, but, and then I just had to go and do the show, you know? Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow. Just before a show. And fuck. I always say this, especially for like a drag queen, like get like, not getting bashed on the way to work is part of her artistic practice. Um, and yeah. so when I, when I got to like dance uni and people were like, oh, I'm just not really feeling it. I was like, oh, I didn't know that we were allowed to not feel it. Oh my God. I didn't the know idea. that this, this was like relevant. <laughs> the notion that you're allowed to have emotions or standards about your art practice yeah. is not sponsored by Drag or Arts Council England. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're still in the. They're still in the. They're still there. They're definitely, you know, you know. There was a. Uh, uh, let's just say that even before Brexit, uh, the English cultural standards of working practices were not caught up to the European ones in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. No, well, yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we have the capacity to work in so many different places. Uh, I'm. Mm-hmm. I speaking of all the time, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> Oh my God, you're so cute. <laughs> um, if you didn't already have a drag name, your drag name should be everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, Basically different each time. Yeah, exactly. It would be so cute. And then the Instagram handle is I say it different each time. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, I have had a very big day. Um mm-hmm which is part of the reason that we're recording this remotely, but one of my favorite, my favorite, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the day, my absolute favorite part of the day has been talking with you about trouble oozing glue because you are my favorite piece of trouble. Yeah, I'm a hot piece of trouble. I have trouble literally tattooed on my fucking hands. Oh, do you? Oh yeah, I do. Look, Is that the one you misspelled? No, no, no. That was Judge Judy. <laughs> you are and I can't so get a show funny. On camera. <laughs> jugged or not, lest thee should be jugged. <laughs> Beauty fades. <laughs> Dumb is forever. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, anything that keeps you young. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I like the way that you were slapping all the Botoxing fate parts of your face when you said oh, that. Oh yeah, definitely. I was pulling pulling it up and yeah. Burp, burp. Um, should make an appointment actually. Well, um, we have been so fly sick. This is our second episode in two weeks. So I hope these... Um, oh, actually, I wanted to say thank you because we mm. got... We got a donation to help us pay what? for the fee uh, of because this this podcast it, it costs like a hundred euro uh, to keep up. A um, hundred euro a year, year? hundred and eleven euro oh. I think, and I, I pay that. One hundred and eleven? Wait, it costs that much? Yeah, it costs a lot of money. Um, oh, that's a lot of money. And so when people send us money for that, that helps us pay it. So thank you so much, Eva, um, or Eva. Um, I'm going to call you Eva uh, for your donation. That's really lovely. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Eva. And if it's Ifa, if it's Ifa, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and sorry, Eva. Um, and uh, if you have enjoyed this podcast, you can always help us uh, keep it going by uh, sending us an email to slurryspeaks at gmail.com. Oh, no, sending money 
via PayPal, which is olympiabukakis yeah. at gmail.com. Sending money via PayPal. And then... Olympiabukakis at gmail.com. Yes. And then if you want to send an email uh, uh, to us or about us, uh, you can uh-huh. email us at slurryspeaks at gmail.com. And if you want to share this, then you should share this podcast tagging someone you know who's a real piece of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> steaming trouble in the street yeah a nice big fresh pile of steaming trouble in the street in the street oh my gosh well Perfect. it has been a pleasure to talk to you oozing gloop Mwah! and a delight to talk with you olympia uh and i will uh uh say goodbye bye ciao I always have to remember to stop the recording and not the, uh, not the Zoom. <laughs>